Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Where did marketing go wrong? And at what point in history did marketing stop being about the customer? When did it start focusing on automation and mass communication and less about the relationship? Has it ever been right? Or is it even broken? I'm Joe Glover. I'm the founder of the Marketing Meetup. It's a community of 14,000 marketers around the UK and established very much on the basis of looking after each other and uh, just looking at marketing in, in a way where the humans come first. I'm Richard Wood. I run the marketing agency Six and Flow. I've worked in marketing for around about 18 years now and I'm a massive believer in that people should be trying to engage with people on a human level, not just treating people as leads and numbers in a spreadsheet anymore. On one level, this is precisely why we started this podcast. A general feeling that some people are getting it wrong, or probably more accurately, that there's a small part of us who think that we're getting it right. Phil McSweeney donated the topic for today, citing an example of where, despite the corona pandemic, he received an email from a company offering restaurant codes and from another company asking him to rate holiday destinations. Clearly, this is jarring in how wrong it is. Despite these examples, and perhaps this is just my bubble, but I do see and hear a lot of marketers using words like empathy, caring, relationships, and much more. So are we just talking a big game and not delivering meaning in marketing? Or is it a case of some people ruining it for the many? So, Rich, first question. Has marketing gone wrong? Just just start with the easy one for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I... I don't think marketing's necessarily gone wrong. I think we've potentially focused on the wrong metrics for too long and they've become a norm. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's wrong, but I think there's definitely ways that we can improve it and reimagining the way that we communicate and connect with people now. I think what is starting to ring true in a lot of the stats that we focus on for ourselves and for our clients, we're starting to see less return on stats like click-throughs, open rates, leads, and we're focusing more on things like conversations and revenue. So I think there's a a shifting of what needs to be focused on, but I wouldn't say it's entirely gone wrong, but I think there's definitely some room for improvement. I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I guess it also ties into that sort of tactics versus strategy debate, which is, you know, the metrics are looking at very short-term impact. They're looking at things which people do in the, in the immediacy, but they're not necessarily looking at that long-term. Uh, what's the relationship that we're building with a customer? How are they going to stay with us for a long time? You know, look at stuff like lifetime value. I love that conversations is is like an actual metric for you guys. And, and that's a relevant part of the conversation because uh, that feels like how it should be. But I think it's also possibly quite hard to measure it. So, I mean, Actually, can I ask the question, how do you measure stuff like conversations? Is it just in a CRM or? 
So the way that we measure conversation, so we've got two ways that we, the two two main metrics that we really focus on with it. One is replies to emails. So a lot of our own marketing communications and a lot of the stuff that we recommend to our clients is position your emails to get a response rather than getting a click through. Because a click through, just because somebody's hit your site, yes, you can then retarget them and you can do things like that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to engage with the brand or they've connected with you on any level. But if you script that email and make it more about trying to drive a response, you've started a conversation. If you can start a conversation, you are so much further down the sales pipeline than you are if somebody's submitted a form on a landing page. That's the first way that we start to track engagement and success. Mm -hmm. And then the second main conversation one is literally how many conversations are being had on our website. So we use chat and when people come through the chat widget or through one of the bots, we have the metrics around that. So how many of those chats have been started? How many of those chats have been engaged with by a real human person as opposed to a bot? How many of those have gone through to a meeting? How many of those, and then obviously through to the the ROI of revenue and things like that. That's how we measure conversations and that's for me is one of our more important metrics across the site so i know one of our rule of thumb metrics is so we know that if somebody converts on our site through a conversation they are going to convert through to a customer third faster than they would through any of our other channels so we on paper allow for a 90-day sales cycle we know that if they come through from conversations they're much more likely to be closer to 45 days or 60 days and that's what we expect when we roll out conversational marketing and equally, we know there'll be more leads by nearly a third. We know that the new business will be up by around about 20%. They're the metrics that we use when we start to pull those things out. And that's why I have this belief in them being far more important metrics than things like click-throughs and page views and the stuff that we traditionally use. And I think where we've traditionally used those numbers, and I say traditionally, I'm, I'm, I'm not going back that far. And those traditional numbers are much more around volume. And I don't actually think there's necessarily a place for focusing on volume anymore. And that might be where, when we talk about marketing has taken a wrong turn, that might be where a lot of this comes from. And for me, we talk about being more human in our marketing. And being human is more about a one-to-one individuals connection for me when I look at it and I don't think you can necessarily focus on doing that on mass where uh, in the same kind of ways that you could previously so I'm not saying that being human in your marketing is necessarily unscalable but I'm suggesting that the scalability of something isn't the metrics that you should be focusing on I like that a lot you know I, I, I recognize that challenge myself that you know as as my audience has grown through the marketing media. We've kind of moved into, well, I mean, to dump all over what we do. You know, it's the temptation is to fall far more into sort of broadcast mode. And it does sort of become, we, we spoke about this in the last episode, but those are unscalable elements, you know, like dropping an individual email to everyone that you expect is going to come to one of your events isn't going to be possible in the same way as, it, as, as you'd like it to be. So actually focusing on those conversations and, and, Probably there's just a, a quick tactic shift there, which is you're still sending out your newsletter, but the way that you write your copy, I imagine, based on what you said, is going to have like a, it's going to look more like an email that a mate would send or a colleague would send. And there's probably going to be a question in there or, or whatever it may be. And it's looking to sort of build that kind of interaction. I, that's how I perceive what you were saying, which would be a really sort of quick and easy quick and dirty tactic, uh, improve conversations and actually sort of improve that humanity and that interaction 
even using a, a broadcast method. To put it in some real context, so I've started doing a newsletter, so like a weekly newsletter I, I send out. It's not a six and flow activity. It is literally me brain dumping some ideas and just sending them out to whoever's interested. Mm -hmm. And part of that, so when you sign up to that, you sign up through a conversation. So you hit a landing page, our chatbot loads up and asks a normal kind of questions and starts to engage people. Then the first email that goes out to them is one that says like, here's why I've started doing this. Here's why I've called the newsletter time more wasted. Here's why I'm doing all of this. And this is obviously an automated email, but why did you sign up? It comes straight into my inbox like tell me and I'll come straight back to you because this for me is about creating a conversation. Mm. You'd be surprised how many people like who respond back to that. I get full on, uh, here's how I found you. Here is why I'm following you now. And here's the kind of things I'm interested in. Here's a bit about my history. I had somebody talk to me about the fact that they're moving back to Australia. And then we had this whole conversation about how I lived out there for a while. And <laughs> yesterday we had somebody called Caroline who signed up and she found it and she, she came back, she works in SAS. And mm -hmm. she was like, I'm genuinely quite pleasantly surprised about how engaging and how the way that you're communicating and this is like one to one. And for me, that is an experience that we've managed to create that is it's a genuine experience because I am genuinely at the other end of that mailbox. But it's a genuine experience that we've managed to create that has now left a lasting effect on her far more than a thanks for signing up. You'll get your first email next week. For sure. I remember almost this exact interaction uh, the first time I interacted with Drift. I think their sign-up email was something like, you know, drop us a line and let us know why you're using it. So I did. Dropped an email back and, and sort of got in the conversation with a guy called Matt. And uh, inevitably, there was a point in the conversation where he, I sort of said it was about a happy dance or something like that. And uh, he sent like a video of him saying, hey, Joe, here's my happy dance. And I remember that interaction five years later. And that's like a real sort of connection. I think I wrote a blog post about it. So in that moment, I became an advocate as well. So uh, I think it's it's really, really important. Well, I think like that comes straight out of Dave Gerhardt's playbook. So he is quite regularly talking about the way that he is putting tidbits of information in email copies and footers and talking about the fact that one of them he talks about where he, he wrote it, uh, an aircraft and he was saying, look, this is an automated email, but I'm, I'm writing the copy from this 40,000 feet up in the air mm -hmm. to... I'm so excited to tell you about this. Or he talks about um, his family and that humanizes the person at the other end of it. So we do it quite regularly with our out of offices as well. So I take it as a personal challenge to try and be as sarcastic and as close to the line of being borderline offensive without being offensive in my out of offices that I can just about get away with. Mm -hmm. Because I find that, A, for me, it's quite entertaining, mm -hmm. but it also gives the people that I'm responding to or the, the systems responding to an insight into me as a person my personality so i will quite regularly write i'm away on a family holiday i do have access to my phone i will sometimes check my email but if i get caught by my wife she will kill me <laughs> so there will be things that i can prioritize in that mix if it's super urgent reply with urgent and then i can deal with that and it just gives people an insight into what my life is like outside of a business engagement and for me that's that is incredibly important in today's marketing world and if you think about it from like on a base level it is a lot 
easier to work with somebody that you feel like you have a connection with mm. and on the flip side it's a lot harder to fire somebody that you have a relationship with so if you are a business and you have a client and you are a faceless deliverer of service mm -hmm. you are a number on a spreadsheet that they will quite happily cut when the shit hits the fan or they don't see the value in your service anymore if you have a relationship yeah you shouldn't build the, your um, whole kind of business case on just that relationship. But if you have that relationship, it will A, sow the seeds of doubt before they make that decision, but also will start to make them look at, okay, what's the peripheral value of us working with that person? Mm -hmm. So that's why for me, it's important to be as human and as transparent in your communication as possible. And coming back to your question, I think that's where we went wrong as as a whole within marketing we chased the numbers we chased the the last click attribution and those numbers became became sacrosanct that's what we chased and that them's the rules absolutely well it's something that rory sutherland sort of speaks about quite often is those moments of magic you know and, and i think you've given a couple of examples of like you're out of office it might seem small but we do need to sweat the small stuff because, you know, it's in those moments, it's the out of office, which gives them a chuckle or an Easter egg on the website or whatever it is, you know, which just kind of like takes them to the next level and gives people that relatability. And I think um, what we're trying to build here is an emotional connection, like you just sort of said, you know, which kind of gets to the point where people do think twice before sacking you off as an agency or, or bringing you on, you know, because they want to work with you. I've had interactions with people who sort of said, I have no idea what we should do together, but I know that I want to work with you, which is cool. You know, inevitably it has led to business in, in, in one way or another because you just get on with people and you've shown that you can create those moments of magic and you've shown that you can be really human. Otherwise, it just becomes quite transactional. All right, my turn. How do you define marketing? So for me, it's always been about meeting the needs of the customer and maybe even meeting and or exceeding the needs of the customer. Uh, the reason being that I think it goes back to that point that I mentioned earlier about tactics versus strategy. A lot of folks spend their entire marketing career in social media, community management, or PR, or whatever it may be. But I see these as tactics rather than the marketing strategy as a whole. Each you know, social media management will have a strategy within the strategy. PR will have a strategy within the strategy, but marketing as a whole is an activity which looks to uh, meet the needs of the customer. So this includes everything from understanding who the customers are, their tone of voice, uh, the market orientation aspect of it. The strategic is understanding elements of what message you want to get across and the tone that you want to get across with including stuff like branding as well. Um, but then you also head through to the tactics, which would be PPC, SEO, social media, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in fact, one of the best examples and my favorite examples of marketing in action is customer service, which people never really think of as a marketing activity. But of course it is. You've got people interacting with customers on the front line, taking their calls, answering their, e their emails. And it's in those moments where you can decide to say a generic thank you for getting in touch with me message. Or you can also have a message which is like, hey, Rich, you freaking legend. Uh, what can I do to what can I do to help you out today? You know, and, and that's a moment which can absolutely create a, a real sort of reaction. So on a very, very high level, I'd say marketing is much about a an attitude as much as it is a series of acts.
and that attitude is one of looking to uh, meet the needs of the customer. How about you? For me, when I think about marketing and its definition, it's around creating a desire for a product or service, be that actually having somebody part with their cash. They're using the word creation consciously out of interest. Like creation for me would be something where it's like they didn't necessarily have a desire beforehand and now they do. Are you channeling that desire or are you creating it afresh? It's a very good question. I think quite often, and it might just be the areas that we work in, but quite often we are creating a desire for the product. There is a desire to fix the challenge, but what we're then doing is creating a desire for that product or service to help fix that challenge. Marketing as its whole is around creating or building on desire for a product or service. You're spot on though, because I think what the point of what you're saying here is that the flip is on the on the customer, right? And it's on yep. the audience and is not so much on the tactics or the product or whatever it is. People aren't, shouldn't be starting there. They should be starting with the customer and looking to understand them, their needs, their desires, and then everything else falls out from that afterwards. And, and that's pretty much what you do with marketing. You, you look to understand the customer first. And I think that's probably on the topic of this conversation where a lot of people go wrong is that they sit down at their desk and they say, right, what are we going to say today? Rather than the customer going, right, what does the customer want to hear today? Or what can we do to help them move along? What can we do to improve their life? And I think that's really, really easy because we live and breathe our, our companies every day. But when it comes down to it, nobody gives a shit about your product or service. They give a shit about improving their life. So that's our job as marketers to say, you should care about us because we're gonna, we care about you and we're going to elevate your life in a way, which is probably going back to your point about automation and stuff like that. That's probably where it's gone wrong in a lot of ways. So when, when the, the question came through of where do we think it's gone wrong, I started to look at some of the history of marketing automation. And so marketing automation started to pick up with Eloqua was the first main player that jumped into the market. And then from the CRM side, you had Salesforce coming in both in the, I think it was 99, late 90s. And from that point, we've also got the dot-com boom happening. So we have a lot of companies who are having some very quick rises to success and fame. And they're like, that, how do we cram in as many customers and as many eyeballs as possible? We have this new toy called the internet, and then we're going to hit them with all sorts of marketing off the back of it. How do we get as many people through this virtual door as we can? And I think that's where it started. And to be fair, we didn't have any other metrics to chase. We didn't have anything else to look at. And I think where that started to change is that we then have other more experiential and emotive forms of marketing coming through now. Mm. And I mean, we've talked about community and connection. That's where you start to get that juxtaposition between it. And I think people are now aware of what it feels like to be marketed and sold to well. And on the flip side, we also know what it feels like to be going through the sausage factory of kind of your number. So like the example you used about the the travel and the voucher, those things are, you, you feel like a number that they are trying to push as many people through the funnel as possible to pump out some customers at the other end. And nobody wants to feel like that. So I was, when we were leading up to this, I was thinking about, okay, what are some of the examples that um, in my head that we've got? And I think a lot of it comes down to as marketers and advertisers, we stopped focusing so much on emotion and 
how we invoke those emotions other than things like scarcity like you get them all the time on a website or in an email copy we've got 10 left these are like uh, you go onto any of the hotel booking sites there are five other people currently looking at this booking there's only one room left obviously that puts a fear of missing out in place and those type of things yeah there's a place for that but i think there's also if we don't focus on how things make us feel in a positive way or how we can invoke those kind of feelings that's where we're starting to dehumanize that process chardini's got a lot to answer for but it's true you know and i guess i started marketing in 2014 so i'm quite new on the scene in a sense but i do think that's been one of the biggest movements it's funny because not a lot moves in marketing in many many ways because if we go back to our definition it's just about people and in fact people move very very slowly you know it's like thousands of years it's not six years but this change of understanding of metrics and how people actually work i think we were probably still in that stage when i joined marketing the marketing world of like oh look we can see how long people are on the site for you know and now we're like well what does that matter if we haven't moved them emotionally or something like that you know and maybe that's i think that's something that's still coming through because I think there's still a lot of conversations. And I think this is a point of conflict for many marketers where it's like, yes, I appreciate that I need to move someone emotionally, but the conversation that I'm going to have with my boss is going to be one based on these metrics. So it is almost, there's an education piece and there's a collaboration and there's a communication piece that needs to be done to these folks. So, so we're saying marketers aren't the problem the marketer's bosses are the problem. <laughs> no, I would actually say that if the marketer's boss doesn't understand, there's one or two solutions. The first is you need a new boss, so leave the company. Or the second one is that you're not doing a good enough job communicating to your boss to convince them. I think most marketers would like to believe the first, but I reckon most probably fall in the second camp. What's your favorite ever marketing campaign? I feel like I fall in love. So as a single campaign each time i fall in love with more or less anything nike does yeah but i think that's more implicated with their advertising and their broader long-term strategy than it is a specific campaign as an example i don't think i'd be likely to go out and bet buy a new pair of their football boots anytime soon but i still like absolutely adore the brand and the side effect is that I might pop into a Nike store every so often. That's an example of great branding and great long-term strategy. Adverts are examples of very recent campaigns, but I wouldn't necessarily say that any one campaign by them has, has moved me any more than their long-term strategy has, if that's a long and winding answer. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my three. Okay. And I'm also going to challenge you that when I, when I mention these, if you don't have a feeling of either, yeah, they made me feel something or you feel stupid for not mentioning them, I'm yeah. going to call bullshit. <laughs> the first one is Apple versus Windows with the guys from Peep Show. And they did it in the States as well. I can't remember who they used in the States. But they, they took something where they showed you the cool character, they, the, the person that everybody wanted to be and showed them in the, the right place to be socially. And they aligned their brand with that. So people started to go, actually, yeah, that's the side of the fence I want to be on. Because they also showed the other side, which was square and boring and nobody wanted to be them because they were they were the, the anti-hero who never really got what they wanted. And <laughs> great, great campaign because that for me, it was it was like a series of mini shorts 
that went alongside at the same time they had the the sitcom going out. The one that is least relevant to me as a product, but I can see it for the magic of what they've built and the fact that it moved from marketing campaign to outright social movement was the always like a girl campaign. Mm. And I think that was so incredibly powerful from the creative, the message, its lasting impact and the way that people now think about a lot of the things that it was talking about. And I think there's an element of, so I have a like a young daughter, and I think there's an element of that in it as well. Mm-hmm. And then the one that I love just from a, an ad land creative perspective and the way that it kind of it had two fingers up and was like yeah all right we can see the way that you are like slagging off our brand and actually yeah we're going to take that on board and use it was the vw think small campaign so this is post-war vw german car smaller than your average american car and a lot of people were anti their car because it was small in comparison to what they were used to. Mm-hmm. And they took that and went, yeah, it is small. And here's why it's a good thing. Yeah. That for me was creative and engaging. And all three of those campaigns have chipped away at emotions and feelings for me in particular, although like, thankfully I'm not old enough to remember the VW campaign as it was live. <laughs> um, this is like textbook learning, yeah. but those are successful marketing campaigns. And I think that's where, we used to get it right. We were using the mediums available to us. And I know some of those are modern campaigns, but we're using the mediums available to us. We're thinking about what the customer is thinking. And Mm -hmm. then we are building campaigns and messaging around that. And I don't see why we can't take some of the old school copywriting and ad land skills and be bringing that back into the marketing and the way that we're trying to engage with people now. For sure. No, I love that. That's really... Now I now I think of it as the Hertz number two. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen it, where where the ad sort of says we're number two, but that means we're going to try so much harder than number one. And not only did that put the folks in number one, I, I don't know who it was at the time, but um, in an awkward position because they were number one, and suddenly it was reframed as as being less good than being number two. But it also showed uh, Hertz in a brilliant light because they were going to um, suddenly be trying so much harder. And, and likewise, you know that had an emotional reaction from me in the way that I just thought that's bloody clever. That's so clever. <laughs> you know? In sport, I was brought up with two rules, always support England or the underdog. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's where you focus. And like for me, that Hertz campaign is like, yeah, back the underdog. You want to see him win. It's like anybody who's playing the Patriots to put it into like an American term is you want to see David to win. Like that's we're we're geared up to that, and I think that's why it's such a clever campaign. So we've discussed whether marketing has gone wrong, and I don't think we do. We both share definitions of marketing, and I think we're broadly in alignment that it's all about the customer, and we start there, and and afterwards we we head everywhere else, and that's probably the crux point I think where we've identified that things probably have gone wrong in some instances. Is there a way, in your opinion, of using the technology that we've got available to us right now and doing it in a really human way that sort of embodies all of these ways that we've been speaking about so far. I think you've already listed one great example with your email messaging um, and also conversational marketing. I guess, is that the answer? There is nothing wrong with the technology. Mm -hmm. And this is 
one of the long-standing jokes that I refer to on social all the time is stop giving marketers nice things because we fuck it up. <laughs> you gave us email, we turned it into spam. All of these cool tools that we get and we end up breaking them eventually. Direct mail, email, SMS, you name a technology, we've pushed it to the point that alienates people. And it, it will be the same with everything that comes. <laughs> but what we can do is take that technology and just use it in a way that engages with people how they want to be engaged with. So you have the communication tools, you just need to figure out what the right communication looks like. And that starts off with figuring out who your customers are, what they want to hear, how they want to hear it, and mm. then building back from that. And I think you need to also focus on not just what they want to hear, but what are the messages that they are already hearing? How do we make it different? How do we cut through the noise that they're facing? And I mean, if you look at what's going on in the world, there is a lot of noise and mm. there is a lot of angst out there and people are being bombarded by messaging and people are actively seeking more messaging because they want to know what the hell's going on. And there is a cognitive overload that is just absolutely bonkers at the moment. Mm. And that's what we need to be aware of as marketers. And I think Today, like I put out a sarcastic post on LinkedIn about how can we all stop referring to it as the new normal. It's that kind of messaging that actually let's take a step back and just start communicating to people in a more human and honest and transparent way and converse with them. Because at the moment, we are getting bombarded with messages. I think um, Mark Ritson has given one of the best talks I've ever seen on this it was called on the contrary so people can google it afterwards it's about 40 minutes long but he breaks marketing down into sort of three sections you got market orientation you got strategy and you got tactics and i think right now to reference the world that we're living in right now um with coronavirus going on i think a lot of folks are particularly focusing on communication which is in the tactics stage um so when you mentioned that people are seeking out more communication than ever i think marketers are also falling into that trap of communicating more than ever which is absolutely if another person tells me that they're there for me i'm going to scream you know because it's just not it's just, i'm there for you joe yeah <laughs> there was also another great video that mark Ritson posted on his linkedin which i'd really encourage you to sort of search out where uh, somebody it wasn't him brought together all the sort of like big corporate videos of uh, all these massive corporates sort of saying exactly the same things. You know, we're there for you. Since 1988, we've been there for you, blah, blah, blah. So I actually shared that in my newsletter this, this week and it, it's so powerful in the way that it illustrates that all of these people are saying the same things and just how hollow it is. All, all of these big brands who, yeah, they only care about you realistically because if you disappear your money disappears there's no care past that point and i think that's what this faux care faux concern is starting to become very transparent very quickly absolutely i think it's one of these things that probably in the first few weeks of it maybe we needed it you know but now with three four weeks into it that over over egging on the empathy sort of thing or the phoniness of it all, then uh, I think you're right. It is starting to sort of become quite apparent quite quick. So <laughs> we're kind of ping-ponged around, but are there any examples or tips, tools, or references people should be looking at uh, when it comes to trying to look at great examples of marketing done right in action? One of my all-time favorite marketing, advertising, 
outright one of my favorite ever books is Confessions of an Adman, mm-hmm. Ogilvy. If you've not read it, you should definitely flick through that. It'll give you some ideas, some inspiration, and will will help focus on elements other than the stuff that we normally get bogged down with, which is the, the digital stats. So I would definitely pick up that book. And Mark Ritson, again, to go back to him, he did a great uh, Marketing Week webinar the other day um, where he sat down for an hour and sort of, it was focused on coronavirus specifically, but one of his key messages was about how we should be focusing on the the long-term and the things that have always stayed true, human need, desire, the want to feel loved, to feel part of something, all these things. And he said, well, you know, right now we're in a stage of tactics, which is probably where the the crap emails that the listener got uh, come from because people are looking for those short-term things. But in terms of the long-term sort of gains, then uh, then this is a great talk just to listen to and, and sort of sit down and sort of take stock of what are the things that really matter in the long term. And I think the Ogilvy book will do the same because it was written so long ago, but you can't help but sit there and go, oh my God, you know, this is 20, 30, 50 years old, but it still rings true today, which is a real wake-up call. So I think that probably just about wraps us up. Hopefully we've we've quasi-managed to answer the question. Thanks for that, uh, Phil. So in our next episode, we'll return to normal. We'll be bashing out a, a topic of our choice. And as ever, if you could leave us a review, and preferably five-star review, it would be massively appreciated. And if you do want us to talk about anything, or if you've got any feedback for us, you can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm Rich T. Wood. And I'm Joseph E. Glover. And that's it. Thanks very much. Cheers.